Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Chris, the challenge now is do the missing impossible theme tune after you've heard the James Bond one. Hey, what you test your fans loyally if this makes the edit. Right, welcome back to the front three. It is Wednesday, which means it's time for the front three. And me, Adam Boltwood, the one and only Dave O'Brien. Oh, yes, it's back. It's ready and we are ready to go. And we are joined once again by the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Hennage. Chris, how's it going? Good evening. It's not bad, actually. How's things with you, chaps? Fantastic. All very well. Lawrence still missing, still having a bloody lovely time in Lisbon. Sends his regards, guys. He's listening himself, uh, living the dream. I think it's the only way to describe it. Um, but I learned something very interesting this week, Dave. Very interesting. I've been asking for iTunes reviews. The iTunes reviews, they help us out on the podcast. They help other people discover the front free uh, with your ratings, with your reviews. And I found out that I am only able to see reviews from the UK. So this whole time I've been asking for the reviews. I've only been able to read them from the British Isles. I've found out a way to read every review from every other country. So guys, if you're sending in your reviews from around the world, keep them coming. I can now actually read them. Before, I couldn't even see them. Lars mentioned this, didn't he? What, are they are they all, I assume they're all glowing, the way that you're talking about uh, them? Yeah, yeah, mostly, mostly. Um, I've only seen five stars. I've, well, actually, I tell you, like, a couple of four stars, but even but still, there's nothing. What I like is when the people guys. write a little review. I love the little, maybe they're leaving a little joke. They leave us a little kind comment. I love reading them. And before, I couldn't see any of them from the USA, from Canada, from Australia, from Ireland. Whereas now I can, you see. For example, we've got Kato Endu from Canada saying, Dave, this one's for you. Always cool listening to Intelligent Football Conversation. Love the analysis, Dave. Love the banter, Lawrence. Love your voice, Adam. Although I feel like you guys sometimes pick on Dave, he says. Yeah, you big bloody bullies. <laughs> I enjoyed that one. I did enjoy that one. It's, 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 that's, that's rubbish, mate. That is no, no, I, I agree with me. I'm, I've been you know, looking for a new... Oh, stop being such a victim, Dave. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> next, we got one here from JJ King writing in to say that nothing compares to the Front Free podcast. Not even the football ramble are great rivals. Uh, amazing banter. This pod seems to always bring a smile to my face. I would like to thank you for that, JJ. Our pleasure. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, next up from No Last from the USA. My girlfriend was playing One Direction in her car. I snatched the auxiliary cord and put on the front free. She is now a fan. Great podcast with a perfect mix of intellect, banter, and quality opinion. Keep it up, mate. Thank you very much, No Last. All the way from the USA. And say thanks to your girlfriend as well. Finally, uh, Gareth Netton from the Netherlands. Uh, the front free began as a background conversation on my ride to school, but has evolved to a necessity, not only a necessity of football knowledge, but a mostly a necessity of life. TF3 is love, TF3 is life. Hashtag Lawrence isn't such a prick after all. 
which is uh, kind of <laughs> sort of nice uh, sort of nice of Gareth to say I guess Gareth thank you very much for your comments oh, guys we can now read all your reviews from around the world so get on your iTunes app rate and review the front free let us know where you're listening and let us know why you're listening to the podcast and we will read out the best and our favourite comments on next week's podcast as comment of the week thank you once again for all your reviews uh, for now though let's get into the podcast guys uh, we're going to be talking about Mourinho we're going to be talking a little bit about England. We're going to be talking a little bit about our awards of the season, player of the season, goal of the season, moment of the season, all that good stuff. But as I said, we do have to start on Mourinho. Dave, the deal is inching ever closer. Looks like it could be confirmed uh, either today or Thursday. Um, it does seem to be dragging on a little bit. But it looks like Jose Mourinho is going to be the Manchester United manager. Uh, we spoke about this, obviously, uh, on Sunday tons of think pieces coming out about you know whether he's right for the club whether he's suited whether he's the right man Eric Cantona coming out today saying he loves Mourinho but he's not Manchester United the style of football isn't right uh, you're confident this is going to be a good move for United because I see a lot of United fans saying it could go one way it could go the other firstly it's really funny how the media pretend they know things and they just really don't the whole Louis van Gaal getting sacked thing they're like oh it's happening at one o'clock happened at like seven or eight and they're all like oh Mourinho's gonna get you know called up this week when there's loads of reports saying he's gonna sign on the first with Zlatan Ibrimovic which I believe but anyway going back to Lou Van Lou, not Lou Van Gaal sorry Mourinho um, I think he'll be an excellent manager for Manchester United the only way to really challenge Manchester City um, for the Premier League title for me is Mourinho and is playing Mourinho's style of football being very aggressive sitting very deep um, in the bigger games and looking for the counter-attack I don't think Mourinho is a boring manager you know, go back to that whole Real Madrid record goals in a La Liga season uh, 121 goals there's no no worry there for me You know, the, the, he's got the best out of some of the best players in the world Eden Hazard was incredible last season uh, Ronaldo had a great time underneath him so and they look at Wesley Schneider, Mesut Ozil. There's a lot of players that have played some really, really good football underneath them on the counter-attack. And for me, I love the counter-attack. That's what I, I love. You know, sitting deep and breaking with pace. That's what I like to see in football. I feel that is Man United's style as a whole, breaking and counter-attacking and using wingers. And that's something Mourinho will do. There's a lot of exciting players in this Manchester United squad that with the right manager, that will give them the confidence in the final third can really start to destroy teams. You look at players like Memphis Depay, Rashford that I reckon will probably play wide, players like uh, you know Anthony Martial, who again I think will play wide, uh, You know behind the mighty Zlatan Ibrahimovic that is heavily rumoured to come to Old Trafford. Ibrahimovic has been ridiculous this season. 38 goals in the league, 13 assists. But I was diving into the numbers today, an interesting thing that I found about Ibrahimovic was the amount of assists he got in open play. Mm. So assists are broken down into either from um, a counter-attack, uh, a corner, a set-piece, or so forth. And 11 out of the 13 assists that Ibrahimovic got this season were from open play. And that is very, very good news for Manchester United that have struggled to create things this season, that have struggled to attack that 10 slot. If you look at United, how it, they break down in their play, there's a lot, there's like 40% of plus that goes down that left-hand side, then sort of like, you know, 30% that goes down the right, and only like 20-odd percent that goes down the middle. That was a big issue for Manchester United in terms of attacking teams and getting them weak down the middle. Went too wide too quickly and crossed the ball from terrible areas. With someone like Zlatan in there, that is a constant target. Then you have runners from midfield, Rashford, Depay, Memphis, you know, whoever's going to be, Mourinho's going to buy to be box to box, even Wayne Rooney might play that role. For me, this makes so much sense, and it's the only way to defeat the evil Pep Guardiola. <laughs> You're already in Jose's mindset. I love this. Um, an interesting question I've seen a few uh, pieces ask Chris is about whether Mourinho is essentially not past it, but whether his best days are behind him. Now, uh, the particular article I'm referring to is one by Jack Pitbrook. This is in The Independent. Let me read you out a little section because um, I found it very interesting. I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, so essentially he's saying, um, the best of Mourinho's achievements belong to the last decade, not this one. This is why it's fair to ask whether Mourinho's career is on a downward curve, whether his methods are as powerful as they used to be uh, with modern players. The first half of Mourinho's career was a sensation. He overturned the European order at Porto, winning the UEFA Cup and the Champions League. Then he won consecutive Premier League titles with Chelsea, building a team that lasted for a decade. Then he won the treble with Internazionale, eight seasons, six league titles, two Champions Leagues. Talking about how he's the master of assembling powerful teams, you know, John Terry, uh, Cambiasso, Drogba, Melito, all these sort of players, 
all born between 1978 and 80, is what he says, all now retired or near the end of their playing days. But this decade has been different. The last six years, three seasons at Real Madrid, Madrid, two and a half at Chelsea, have been a disappointment. In both clubs, clubs, he had a talented group of players and money to spend, even if the spending was not always entirely down to him. At both clubs, he won a, league, a cup and then a league in his second season, but he has never returned to the Champions League final, uh, losing four straight semis from 2011 to two, 2014. What he's essentially saying uh, as well is that the, the players he has now, this new generation of players born uh, either side of 1990, Hazard, Ozil, uh, Ronaldo, they've respected Mourinho, but they did not want to run through walls like the, the, the former generation did. That perhaps mm. they want to play a different style of football to the, the more practical style that Mourinho wants to bring to his teams. Now, I thought that was an interesting way to, to frame the discussion about whether, you know, his best days are behind him, essentially. Do you think it's a fair question to ask? I think it is a fair question to ask. Whether I agree with it, I think is somewhat different. What I would say about Jose Mourinho, yes, certainly he's dropped off slightly. I think what you could say to, to counter Jack's points are that in going to Real Madrid, he faced an adversary who was sensational. That's what Barcelona were. Coming back to Chelsea, for me personally, it never felt like a great idea. Mm. And it goes back to that notion of you should never go back. And I think we saw that, that, that actually, for what he was trying to do, I think he almost turned up at the club thinking it would be like before, when really too many of the cogs had changed in that sense. And the ones who were there weren't as influential as they used to be. I think looking at Manchester United now, personally, I do see slight similarities with when he rocked up at Porto. In the sense that when he arrived at Porto, they hadn't won a domestic title for three years. Now, granted, Man United won the FA Cup. That's fine. But some of the things he will look to do, I think, are also things that he will, will do at Porto. So, for example, the, the high press has become quite an important tactical feature in football at this precise moment. That was something he initiated at Porto. They did press very uh, fiercely. Guys like Morgan Schneidlin, I could see filling a similar role like Christina did and Manish did for him. Equally, you look up front and say someone like Martial could easily be like Derley was for, for him in that Porto team. I see the points that you're making as well about uh, his training and, and them getting to run through walls. There's part of me thinks that actually if he does go back to the style, and, and this is something Costinha talked about, um, and I think it was Victor Baye too, saying that on the training field he was very intense. For about an hour he would really kind of push the intensity and, and in fact he dropped Victor Bayer for, for not following that line with him um, but he said that away from the training field he wasn't like that he was joking he was very friendly and and in, in fairness to Mourinho he said himself he learned his man management from Sir Bobby Robson um, and the tactics from, from Van Hal realistically and I think that meshing is, is quite a decent one because again Sir Bobby Robson could be quite cavalier and having someone who was a little bit more rooted worked when the two of them were at uh, uh, Sporting and Porto together. I think if he, he comes back and almost regresses himself, not necessarily tactically, but just in terms of the way he approaches things, I think he could have success. Of course, mm. it's a different era with players now, and, and I don't think you can demand the same sort of... I'm trying to think of the correct phrasing for it. The same sort of determination and, and the same kind of fierce loyalty that maybe he did with those players. Because again, he was working with different players as well at some of these clubs. These were not the elite level players. I think as well, though, one thing he did at Porto that would be really shrewd to do at Manchester United, he gave them very incentive-heavy contracts. Um, and he was very blazing at the time, and we've talked about this already, and then he came in and said this was the worst Porto team for two decades. Mm. And then he came in, brought players in, gave them incentivized contracts. If he does that again at Manchester United, I think he could have real success because that's where Manchester United are at this precise moment, I think. I don't know if they're fully able to, to attract the very best players at this precise moment because they're having a little bit of a wobble. So if you can get the ones just below that, guys like Martial is a great example. Give them a very incentivized contract and say, look, I think you can be a star. I'll make you into that star. Then that's how you build that bond. And I'll be very curious to see how he and Memphis Depay get on. I think, yeah. honestly, he will He will either be making or the ending of that man's career at Manchester United. And it'll be a, a really interesting case study, I think. I'll, I'll leave the link to the, the, the article I'm talking about here in the description of the podcast. But it's an interesting 
point he tries to make about how you know Mourinho tries to motivate his players through what he calls confrontational leadership you know creating conflict with the intention to bring the best out of the players um it's almost what he's an expert at creating conflict. I mean, you mentioned Real Madrid there, his time at the Bernabeu, and you saw that obviously up against Barcelona, that that opponent you speak of. Obviously, Pep Guardiola going to be in the Premier League next season as well. Fireworks are expected, Chris. But it's it's a a fascinating, but yet it feels quite well. It was when they were at the clubs. It felt quite vitriolic almost between these two. Definitely, I, I think. Part of the reason I believe that Mourinho's taken this job is the chance to go up against Guardiola again. Because what you've got to remember is when Mourinho was at Barca as a translator, Guardiola was there as a midfielder. And there was a few actual managers who were working in football now who were in that team or in that club at some point. So you had Van Gaal, you had Guardiola, you had Mourinho, you also had Coleman for a, a period. Now, all of them bar Mourinho either came through the Ajax school or the Barcelona school. So they were very much taught similar principles from similar textbooks, if you'll allow me to use that analogy. Mourinho didn't. He came up through the Portuguese system, working with his dad, and he wasn't as sort of enamoured with this possession style and playing beautifully. His mantra was, we win, period. We, we don't care how we do it, we just win. And it was telling that when Mourinho went up for the Barcelona job alongside Guardiola, it was actually Johan Cruyff's decision to make, even though he wasn't part of the club in an official capacity. He didn't get it and Guardiola did. Now, they they rated the candidates on a nine-point system and they both fell down on, on one point together. But there was another three or four that Mourinho also fell down on. And that's what ultimately cost him the job. And I think ever since then, he's been sort of so determined to validate himself and show that he was good enough for that club and he would, they, were, they made the wrong decision. It's sort of that scorned mentality that he has. And... Look since how often his career has been defined by Barcelona and, and Guardiola and what they're doing. And in some ways, Guardiola is the, you know, the the favourite child of, of Barcelona in terms of their production line of going from boy to man, player to manager. And I think Mourinho sees that as a target to try and hit. And you look at Inter Milan when they won in the Champions League against them, him celebrating on the pitch afterwards. That was his moment in the spotlight. And I think what he took immense joy from was the fact that not only had he beaten them, He'd beaten them was really quite nasty to watch defensive football that wasn't pretty. He'd shown them that there was a flaw to this uh, ideology that they held so tightly to. And to the point where they were so annoyed and frustrated, you had Valdez trying to get at them. They even turned the sprinklers on them to get them off the pitch. He'd really got under their skin. And I think secretly, given that confrontational management that you talk about, I think he loved that. And I think he loves the opportunity to try and get one over on Guardiola, and I think he sees that taking the Manchester United job is another chance to do it because, again, they're in direct contrast. It's like Real Madrid, Barcelona, all over again. It's just that's the thing. I the thing I hate about Mourinho is <laughs> how vitriolic he is. Essentially, he just I, I'm fascinated to see how much he believes of his own paranoia. You know, when he was at Real Madrid, it just seemed insane. Some of the things he's talking about, the conspiracy uh, against his team, and you know, how UEFA on Barcelona's side, it, it would scare me if he actually believed it. But he's so convincing when he says it, you can't help but think he, he actually thinks it's true. Um, <laughs> obviously, he's seemed a little less unhinged at Chelsea, uh, although the whole Eva Carniero uh, situation definitely didn't uh, help with standing, I think, in most people's books. But it's going to be interesting to see if he, if he tapers that sort of behaviour, Dave, because we've seen... Suggestions already in in certain reports that Ed Woodward's told him, you know, it can't be having any of that business, you know, if you want to do that. What, what, what so Ed Woodward's going to uh, going to unsharpen his sharpest sword? Well, I mean, is that what he, should he be doing that? Should he? He should be doing that. Why not? This is the thing that Man United need need some need an icon. Man United need somebody to to take the burden of Alex Ferguson on their back. And that's why someone like Mourinho can do that because he's he can get into that frame of mind that it appears that he has literally lost his shit, but he still is in a very controlled way. Do you need to do I that think to the be issue a successful with... manager? They blame a campaign. I mean, he he was doing it at Chelsea. To be fair, there was a campaign yeah, but, by the refs against him. He was getting fined think, every week. So his recent jobs that we talk about, where he was a great failure, Inter Milan, right? Real Madrid and Chelsea. Let's just go through the seasons there, right? 
Well, sorry, not Inter Milan, Real Madrid, yeah, Chelsea. So where, where they came? Sorry, Inter Milan was a complete success. That was a load <laughs> of shit. Dave. I apologise for the whole. Just ignore that last Apology bit. So let's just talk about Real Madrid. So Real Madrid, in one of the most competitive La Ligas of all time, Guardiola, Mourinho in there. It came second, first, second. Is that such a big problem? The last season that Guardiola was there, Mourinho won the league. Seems like we've all forgotten about that. That his team that season got a hundred points. Uh, absolutely smashed the league apart. And then he comes to Chelsea, right? Comes third, then wins the league. The reason why we the, the media have got on his back in that period is because he hasn't achieved what he achieved before previously at Inter Milan winning the Champions League and at Porto winning the Champions League. In a way, Mourinho has kind of... He's been taken by his own ego, in a way, where he's been sucked by his ego so so hard that it, people have started to think if he's not winning the Champions League, he's a failure. But that record there of the league of being second, first, second, third, first, that's pretty decent. Doesn't matter about his resource. You've, to be a, you've got to be a winner to do that. And I think the big thing about Mourinho is he'll come back and he'll make Old Trafford a fortress. You know, look at his record. He went 150 home games unbeaten between 2002 and 2011. That's a big thing for Man United fans. The football we've seen at Old Trafford this season has been absolutely atrocious. Maybe it won't, you know, it's not going to be you know, seeing 50 goals a game, but it'll be, they'll win games. And I think that's a big thing with United fans is they need to learn to win another way. And that's the big thing. If they want to be a club that's that successful and that attitude, you have to win in a number of different ways. Hence why Guardiola is such a good manager, because if people sit deep against him, he throws five forwards on the pitch. He wins in all different types of way against um, the 5-1 again this season against Borussia Dortmund. He went direct. Played, uh, you know, direct football. I think that's why it's going to be so good to see Mourinho versus Guardiola. And it's so exciting. I kind of don't even want the Euros anymore. I'm not even bothered. <laughs> I'm not even bothered to go and watch season. Albania versus Switzerland. Fast I don't forward. care anymore. Do you care about England though, Dave? Because we neglected to even mention England mm. uh, on the weekend. They obviously played a friendly against Turkey. They've got another one coming up this Friday against Australia. Uh, Marcus Rashford set to start. Do you, do you care, Dave? Leave Marcus Rashford alone. <laughs> no, I think I think the thing with Marcus Rashford is he's, he's such a talented individual. I think we've seen that of in the in the last few months of the season that he isn't just a quick player that's very good at hustling people and took a number of lucky finishes in the penalty area. He's really evolving. Do you think he deserves to, to go to the Euros? Yeah, I don't want him to go to the Euros. That's so, quite that's frankly what it is. Selfish. Which is, which, that's selfish. It's selfish, Adam, but there's one thing that you'll always have to know about me, and that is Man United is more important than England. I've said it, and that it's gone. That's that's God. it. So for me, I'd rather Mike Marcus Rashford had the summer off, reevaluate what he's doing, and then had a run when Mourinho comes back in. The issue that if he's going to have, if he does, if he does go to the Auras, is that he's going to be playing for another month of the season. I'm not an 18 year old lad. He needs a bit of a break. I'm not expecting for his career to go, for England. Surely. Yeah. I hope not, I hope not. But then the issue with you have with England is they lack width. One thing that Marcus Rashford do is he could play on that right wing for England. England looks so, so poor with Sterling out there. He, he looked short of ideas, he looked short of fitness. He looked short of the Raheem Sterling that we saw at Liverpool that was so good. And, you know, that year when he played in number 10 behind Sturridge and um, Suarez. It's he looked short be... of ideas at it will be interesting to see how they set up on Friday against Australia. Obviously, at the weekend, Chris, it did, Roy Hodgson's testing out things, but it didn't really seem to work. And you do wonder whether now is the time to be testing out things. I mean, Vardy was played out on the left, uh, uh, Sterling out on the right. As Dave says, England don't really have much pace, don't have anyone who can play out wide, really. I mean, how would you like to see them set up uh, going into this game against Australia? I think uh, the diamond, essentially what they played against Germany is what I would like to see. Mm. I think I think there's enough enough athleticism in the fullbacks to accommodate that. So why not give it a try? And equally, again, I, I don't see a huge issue in experimenting slightly here because it's better to know than have to try during the tournament when you really need to do it um, and, and make a horrible mistake. So there's no major issue on my part with that. I, th- I think... As I say, though, the Germany game for me was, was sort of peak England in that peak. regard. It's interesting that, uh, obviously, Danny Rose and Carl Walker started the game against Turkey famously uh, better going forward than uh, than going backwards, Dave. Um, Danny mm. Rose had, had a few little moments, a few little shaky moments. So if they do play the diamond, do you think England can really cope? Because defence is 
the weakest point in the team, it has to be said. And if you have your fullbacks bombing on, even the likes of Nathaniel Klein, they may be not as good defending as they are going forward. I think that could potentially be an issue. And you've got a lot of work that the two shuttlers have to do. And if Dele Alli's going to be in one of those positions, a little bit of a waste of Dele Alli's talent. You know, we saw that great um, assist that he got. Obviously, Harry Kane was offside, but it was a lovely little bit of footwork. One, one foot to the other, through ball straight away. The issue I have with the diamond with this England team is that they don't understand it with the forwards. I just don't think... I think that it's too... So what the England were doing was the, the, the two strikers were tracking the fullbacks back into their own penalty area. You don't want to do that. You want to be if you want to be playing a diamond. You leave your two strikers up front, and you you let them va- you let them basically sit in that space that's been vacated. And your shuttlers go over. Your shuttlers will go over. Your, te- your midfield three will shift over as a unit and cover that flank. And then if the ball gets switched, they'll pull over to the other flank and so forth. And you know back and forward, or they'll switch to a flat four. You know Juventus did that so well when they got to the Champions League final. They played a diamond, but then as soon as they lost the ball, Vidal had dropped next to Pirlo. And that, I think, is inherently the issue with this England side is that I don't, it, I just question the tactics sometimes. Like, wh- why are you making Jamie Vardy run back and track someone 40 yards into his own penalty error or Harry Kane? And the other thing with Vardy, as well as the ball was going to his feet too much, mm. he had them, for the England attackers, I think, with out of like Kane, Sterling, and Vardy, he constantly had the ball on the left hand side running at the fullback. That's no, not where you want Vardy. If, if you even watched a, you know, a glimpse of Leicester City this season, Vardy didn't get involved in the build-up play. If he did get to him, he'd play it back quickly and then he'd make a run in behind. And that's consistently what you want to do, like England did in the first you know, first like two minutes of the game. But there's just so inherently, tactically, there's so many issues of playing that diamond. But then if you play the 4-3-3, Vardy's on the out wide and that's even worse. So there's a lot of questions. A flat four, I'd still go with that flat four, mm. 100%. That's on Friday, then England v Australia. Some big games come up this weekend as well. Uh, the uh, Championship Playoff Final. Chris, Hull City versus Sheffield Wednesday. Who reckons coming up to the uh, to the Premier League? Great question. I think I think I would like it to be Sheffield Wednesday. I have to Ooh. admit that I think the it's the nostalgia thing, isn't it? Really, yeah. Mm. Sheffield Sheffield in the the Premier League when I was younger, um, and it'd be nice to have them back there. I have a nasty feeling that Hull will just have too much quality, though. Oh. Um, they managed to keep hold of some. Of their players from the Premier League, someone like Abel Hernandez, for example, I could see being a bit of a a difference maker in that regard. Um, but I also think that, that in fairness, Sheffield have a lot of quality themselves. Ross Wallace is is a decent player. Whether he'll make the step up if they do, well, I'm not too sure. Um, but I think it'll be tight. I, d- I don't think it'll be a blitz like say Swansea Reading was a few years ago. I think this will be a lot more like QPR Derby, where it'll be one moment that decides it. Is the game worth at least two hundred million pounds? Uh, apparently, mm. um, so which is bigger, the playoff final or the Champions League final? Yeah, oh, come on, decide. don't even don't decide. even ask me that question. Um, Adam. I think uh, I think it's the Champions League final. I think it's safe to say. Uh, Real Madrid versus Atletico Madrid. They've coming up this Saturday evening. Uh, obviously, it's the second time they've met in the in the Champions League final. Um, last time they met ended four one. Uh, flattering scoreline, I thought. It doesn't necessarily reflect the game. That was back in 2014, which, of course, the game would take extra time. This time, it, it feels like it's shaping up a little bit differently. For a lot of people, Dave, Atletico are actually the favourites. Yeah, you'd say so, definitely. I think the when they've played each other this season, um, Diego Simeone has the upper hand. I think that's because he's evolved this team even more than he had done in the past, which is absolutely incredible. I think where you know Zidane came out today and said, you know, I one day I aspire to be like Diego Simeone in, in oh. some sorts. That because Simeone has it all Who right doesn't? now, tactically he's very very smart. What he's definitely evolved is that the four three three this this season, or the or a four five one if you want to call it, that he did switch to in that semi final second leg. I do feel that Simeone is a thinker, and I think that he's he's actually outfoxed. He will outfox Zinedine Zidane. Someone like Fernando Torres back in form, Anton Griezmann, such a threat on the counter-attack. You, there's so much space in behind Marcelo this season. It's acres. If you put anyone in that left channel behind him, you, you're laughing. And then you've got the likes of Koke, Saul, Gabri, that's, uh, sorry, Gabby, that's one of my favourite central midfielders in world football just because his work rate is 
not his talent, but it's just sheer determination to, to win a game of football and you go to the defence. I just think that Atletico have a better side all round. You look at Pepe, Sergio Ramos, potentially weaknesses in that back line. Again, Ramos is, is a brilliant defender on his day, but is a nutcase. We saw in the Classico, <laughs> that red card was ridiculous. Um, and then you've got Cristiano Ronaldo that potentially might be out injured. Benzema's just come back from an injury. Hamas Rodriguez is hated in the camp. Gareth Bale's but looked in good form. There's a lot of narrative going around for for an Atletico win for, you know, in my eyes. And I do think that Simeone's finally going to lift that lovely trophy. Oh, would be a beautiful story indeed. Uh, Chris, I mean, we're expecting Atletico to maybe sit back a, a little bit as they did in the semi-final and the quarterfinals, sort of break and, and, and punish them. Uh, how do you think Real Madrid are going to try and set themselves up? Or how, how's the Dan going to try and set up Madrid to try and break them down? I think that's a very good question. I almost feel, to be honest, it's a better question for Dave. Um, Come on in, Dave. Try with those questions. I, I think, again, the difficulty with trying to to break Atletico down, I think, is everything inside says don't throw yourself on because that's when they're the most dangerous. I also think it's realistically one of the best options you've got. Um, I, personally, I would try and attack them down the sides, um, but I also think that the way they play it sits so delicately on the fine margins of things that there will come a point where they do lose and they don't get the bounces they need. Um, but I'm sure Dave can give a, a more detailed and intelligent answer than I can. Dave, I think what you what you do if you were uh, you were Zidane is that you could give Atletico Madrid the ball. You yeah. wouldn't look out. You wouldn't go out there to dominate possession. You'd look to play similarly how they're going to play and hit them on the break. I think what we've seen with Atletico is if you attack them down the wings. They'll double up on you. They'll triple. They'll triple up on you. They'll t- they'll basically three v two you. So if you if you're going to attack with Ronaldo, who's going to come in, and uh, you know the fullback can tuck in, and then the wide midfielder from Atletico will be tracking Marcelo, um, and they'll probably pull someone like Koke out the middle, or they'll pull Gabriel out the middle. Whole team will shift over, and they'll have the overload defensively. I think that's a big issue. But if you if you can give them the ball, try and draw them out. Defenders like Diego Godin, uh, Savic, uh, maybe Jimenez, they're not the best in those wide areas. We saw Jimenez have a little bit of a shaky period against Bayern Munich where they targeted him and they pulled him out of his comfort zone. Similarly to what happened to Chris Smalling in the FA Cup final, how every time that Crystal Palace broke down that right-hand side, Smalling just, just lost his shit. Didn't know what he was doing, and it's happened time and time again with Chris Smalling. I think it's inherently a technical thing that needs to be worked on. But similarly, if you did that to Jose Jimenez, it's a very young defender. Pull him into those wide areas. Godin won't go. Godin will just sit in the middle. But if you can pull Jimenez out, get him drawn out there one-on-one versus Gareth Bale or Ronaldo, he'll commit a foul. Then you've got someone like Tony Cruz or Ronaldo or Bale to whip a delivery in the box. Could be one on a set piece this game. Could be very, very tight one on a set piece. What is your score prediction, Dave? This is tough. I'm going to go 1 0. Atletico Madrid, Ooh. Diego, Godin, header <laughs> so from a coke so set piece <laughs> on the left hand side. Whoa. Put a bet on that, mate. Put a five pound down. Uh, Chris, what is your extremely specific score prediction? 2 1 Atletico with Griezmann finding the net at some point. 2 1 Atletico. I think I'm going to agree with you there. I think 2-1 Atletico Madrid. I think Real Madrid will score, but Atletico are going to prevail here. And as you said, Dave, Diego Simeone is going to lift that beautiful trophy. Uh, let us know your score predictions on Twitter. Tweet is at the front free. For now, then, let's move on to our end-of-season awards. End-of-season awards, then. We've got a few categories here. Player of the season, manager of the season, goal of the season, match of the season, signing of the season, flop of the season... And then I want a moment of the season. It doesn't have to be a specific moment of a game or anything like that, but just what, what has been your favourite abiding football memory of the last uh, 10 months, 12 months or so? Uh, we've got to start there, of course. As I said, it's player of the season. Uh, so many standout candidates uh, in the Premier League. We've got Riyad Mahrez, uh, Kante and Vardy, of course, the Leicester trio. Uh, over in France, we've got Zlatan, for example. And we've also got Luis Suarez over in... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Spain, Dave. Hmm. Dun, 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 dun. I'm going to throw some other ones out there for you. Just yeah, a little cheeky on, one. Come on. Lewandowski, 30 Ooh. goals, the four, the first non-German to score 30 goals in the Bundesliga. Mkhitaryan, again, has had a fantastic season in terms of assists and goals. 15 assists, and I think he scored about 12 goals. Um, and I think that's about it from Germany for me. But oh. back to the actual question, I don't want to do this. Ooh. Higuain could be in there. Breaking Higuain the oh, is a great shout. Higuain is a great shout. But I do feel, and Chris brought this up when we discussed it off-air, that obviously it's a little bit naughty doing this before the Champions League final, but we're going to do it. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go. I just, I, I, It hurts me to say this, but I think Luis Suarez. Luis Suarez. I think that's a good shout. I feel like, I feel like he could very well be in contention, if not the favourite, to win the Ballon d'Or when it rolls, rolls around in January. If he maintains this sort of form uh, when the season starts up, I think it'd be hard to overlook him, even for Ronaldo or Messi. It might be the first time they sort of break that duopoly for a while. Um, Chris, who's your uh, suggestion for, for player of the season? I did kind of omenar between Mahrez and Suarez. I think I'm going to give it to, to Suarez, though. Ooh. Why Suarez over Mahrez? Mahrez, a man who who dragged his team almost along with Vardy and Kante. But such a massive contribution yeah, to the greatest sporting shock of all time, Chris. Actually, I take that back. I'll give it to Mahrez. Oh, um, I'm persuaded. <laughs> and I say that because, yeah, actually he did. Because I think sometimes these awards, and I, I say this about the Ballon d'Or as well, yeah. is that do you look at just kind of pure numbers or do you look at the player who had the greatest impact on the team that he played with. Yeah. And I think Riyad Mahrez had a huge impact on Leicester in terms of helping them win that league. And when you look at the players he plays with, with all due respect to them, they're not of the same calibre of the teammates that Suarez has. And for that reason, I'm going to give it to Riyad Mahrez. I'm going to throw like my it. finger in the buzzer here. Even bigger impact than Riyad Mahrez. Man United only conceded 35 oh, Premier God. League goals this season. The joint best defensive record Thanks to one man and one man only. Spanish Dave. <laughs> Don't say it. Unbelievable keeper. Oh, 15 clean man. sheets in the Premier League this season. Only Peter Cech kept more. But the amount of one-on-one saves that he's had to make this season, I kind of feel sorry for the fella. Again, FA Cup final. Made three blinding saves. There isn't a game that goes past without David De Gea doing something crazy. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe David De Gea has in, entered in the discussion with player of the season. Uh, for me, it's going to be using yeah. that rationale. Can I suggest Christian Naboa of FC Rostov, FK Rostov? Excuse me, I don't know. FC Rostov. He, they are the Russian club that finished uh, near the bottom in the playoffs of Russian last season and have now finished second mm. the season after. They've essentially done a Leicester. To yeah, not quite, <laughs> guys. It's Riyad Mahrez. All right, it's Mahrez. It has to be Leicester this season. The, the most insane okay. season in Premier League history. We don't have to agree, I'm just saying my opinion now. Riyad Mahrez for me. Which brings us on to manager of the season. And surely, let's give a couple of names because, you know, there's one outstanding candidate who I think, you know, uh, runs away with it. But um, Pochettino, I think, has done a good job this season um, at Spurs, the manager of the season. Um, Allegri, again, winning a double. Is it the first time... Uh, an Italian club has won back-to-back doubles. Am I right in saying that? Yes, that is the first time. That is correct, Adam. Good goal. My God, the stats are just pouring out of me today. Um, yeah, Allegri <laughs> could be a shell. Um, 
Enrique winning the double, but I think for most people it's considered almost a disappointment uh, that they didn't put in more of a challenge in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Is, is there anyone who even comes close to the man, Dave, Claudio Ranieri? This season. I think I think you've also got to look at someone like Daryl Clark, who's just got back-to-back promotions Ooh. with Bristol Rovers, got them out of the out of the conference, um, and now has got them promoted automatically in League Two to League One. So that again, you know, obviously we don't talk about uh, the English football, the bottom bits too much, but I'll give a big shout out to Daryl Clark. You love the bottom bits, Dave. Um, Chris, <laughs> is there anyone else? Anyone else who can Adam, even hold bullying a again? Candle. You bloody bully! It was just banter, Dave, in the immortal words of Richard Keyes. Chris, anyone else who, who comes anywhere close or who, whose achievements this season deserve to be acknowledged at least? Chris Wilder at Northampton Town. Yeah, nice bottom bits. Um, Basically, had the, the team, if I remember right, they were in an absolutely dire financial situation. Um, and he took to the press and, and said that you know, there was a deal there to be done and it should be done for the good of the club and he's managed to, to earn them promotion to League One um, this season. I think he's just joined Sheffield United, actually, so he's he's probably going to have to come up against them next year, which will potentially be awkward. But yeah, he's a, another one, I think, a little bit off the, the beaten path. If I knew who FC Rostov's coach was, I wouldn't suggest <laughs> it. But even I'll accept that it's, uh, it's not someone I know very well. How about, this one's got a little bit more competition, I think. Worst manager of the season. Well, um, Adam, I, I know Steve... the man there, the best manager of the season. Go on. Oh, oh, FA Cup champions of the world. Yeah, ended in the sack, weirdly enough. But um, <laughs> he, 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 worst manager, Dave. Steve McLaren, obviously yeah. one of the front runners. We've got Tim Sherwood, though, lest we forget. Ooh, season God, Aston Villa. We've got him. Remy Gard, who struggled to do anything. We've got Dick Advocat, who basically gave up at Sunderland. <laughs> Backed it in. Yeah, he said this team's not good <gasps> no! enough to survive. No, we missed out on Big Sam out of the first category. What will I ever what do? Player of the season. Oh, right, right. Yes, yes. Um, Gary Neville, even, you could put in for, for the oh, Valencia. Yeah. Not debacle, but... Yeah. Um, who do you reckon worst manager of the season? Chris, Steve McLaren is surely McLaren, 100% the front runner. <laughs> why, does he de- why does he deserve to take home this prestigious award? Because it is the definition of insanity. He made the same mistake over and over again and expected different results. He he was a, uh, a terrible manager. Um, <laughs> I can't really speak to him as a person. No, a nice lad. He's a nice lad. I haven't really been in many of his press comments or anything like that. Um, I think, look, that was one thing Derby fans, I remember said that you'll get really annoyed that when your team loses, he looks so smug and, and kind of pleased with himself. Um, but he's just a really poor manager. He lost 17 and 28. That that oh, tells you enough of the story there. Bad. With a team that actually, if you look at uh, Benitez's 10 games, I think it was one, crikey, what was it? One, three, draw, four, lost three. If Anyway, I know that if he'd maintained that over the course of the season, he would have collected around 50 points and they'd have been comfortably safe. Oh. Mm. might have been it's got to be Steve McLaren hasn't it Dave Steve McLaren yeah yeah, let's go with yeah he let himself down I did like old Steve great assistant manager for Sir Alex Ferguson but I think it could be time to pack the bags go to the Algarve with Luga Van Gaal <laughs> once the job at Rotherham oh god, god. Um, goal of the season guys there's a couple of contenders in here I'm thinking Jamie Vardy versus Liverpool Adam, can we change this award to the Gary Goals of the, the season? The Gary Goals Award of the season. I bloody love it. Jamie Vardy, first nominee for <clears> Gary <throat> Goals Goal of the season. Uh, you've got Deli Alley, obviously, that spectacular goal. The Vol. Uh, v Crystal Palace. Um, you've got Lionel Messi's goal, uh, I believe, against Roma in the Champions League. That was pretty oh, bloody dead. good. You've got Sal Niguez, <clears throat> Atletico Madrid in the semis there uh, against Bayern Munich. You know, he's making players up now, Adam. Sorry? He's just making players up now. I don't know who these guys are. <laughs> Lionel Messi, I yeah, never heard of him. Mate. Uh, who, who do you think is goal of the season? For me, I'm slightly biased, but I'm going to go for Deli Ali because I think it was a spectacular bit of skill, lovely improvisation, and that finish on the volley. Oh, woof. Just woof. 
you missed some big goals here. Come on. Hit Anthony me. Martial versus Liverpool. Martin Skirtle was put on his arms. Oh, yes, that one. Marcus Rashford's double lollipop to top corner finish versus West Ham. Any non-Man United goals? Whoa, 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 lads. The winner, though, the winner has to be Lewandowski's. I think it was his fifth goal, the volley. There was like uh, the scissor kick. It was unbelievable from like just inside the area. But that was an incredible match from Lewandowski coming on off, on at half time and scoring five goals. That's insane. The quickest Bundesliga hat trick. The quickest Bundesliga four goals. The quickest Bundesliga five goals. And that was a, unbelievable. Is that the one that Pep Guardiola like grabbed his head in disbelief and was just like? He, oh, he didn't know what happened. God, what's going on there? Chris, have you got any suggestions or anyone you want to pick? Florenzi against Barcelona. Ooh, that was dirty. Ooh, we. I mean, it's a good. Barcelona had a bad year for that actually because there was the Bilbao goal against them as well. Is it Mikel San Jose? Oh, uh, One from quite oh, far. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolute yeah. pingers. Okay, that's goal of the season. Then we've all given our shouts. Match of the season. What was the best match you watched this season? Uh, I'm thinking Manchester City one, Leicester City three. Chelsea 2, Tottenham oh. 2 is a potential suggestion. Uh, Norwich um, 4. Chelsea United 2, Crystal Palace 1. Yep, I mean, that is 1. Are we just picking the best games for our respective teams again? No, is I'm that just, what this I'm, is? I'm just, I think it just so happens. Spurs had a good season, Chris, so I'm fully justified in saying so, yeah, isn't it? Manchester United, however. Don't bloody mention David Hayer is playing this season. I mean, he's he's lost it. He's he's essentially lost it. He's Lads, that, was just, that was pure bounce. That cool pure bounce. Cool Throwing myself under the bush, mate. But a game of the season <laughs> for me was the one that we did on TFR Live between Juventus and Bayern oh, Munich. Yes. That was unbelievable. What Juventus were two 0 down going. At, oh, was it two 0 Oh, I've forgotten what score yeah, it was. Two, they were two 0 down. Was it two 0 2 0 down. Quadrado um, scored a then, fantastic goal for the second. All the work for by Morata. Uh, I remember when he was like, oh, this is done and dusted. All of a sudden. Uh, that was pretty incredible. Boom. That is a very Kingsley Coman. Very good yeah. suggestion. Um, Cracker that. Chris, any particular matches you've, you've enjoyed watching this year? So much so that they are your match of the season. If I'm allowed to steep in bias, I thought Newcastle's game at Tottenham was quite brilliant. Oh, well, stop picking your Jesus team, Chris. Chris. David De Gea, goalkeeper of the season, my <laughs> yeah. arse. Um, just, just general games? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, any game. Any game that you tell you what, the New York Derby matches. was really fun to watch. That was the what about game. Sunderland versus Newcastle, Chris? The 1-1, yeah, that was quite decent, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a good, good game, actually, and no, I agree. It's hard to disagree with Dave's suggestion, I think. Because everyone was just like, oh my, could, no one could believe it. You know, oh my God. Um, signing of the season now. Ooh. Hard to disagree with Ingolo Kante. Also got Costa by Munich. Uh, been very impressive this season. Toby Alderweireld for Spurs. Mm, uh, uh, helping them become the joint best defence in the league. And of course, having been so shaky for years. Dimitri Payet, of course, is another name. Uh, Petr Cech is a name that gets mentioned a lot less than it did at the start of the season. for sort of one of the best signings. What about that David De Gea and dodgy fax machine to Real Madrid? Well, he what the the fax machine itself was the signing of the season because it signing of prevent, the season. Whoever bought that, bloody legend, helped prevent David De Gea leaving. Yeah, I mean, well, not <laughs> technically no. Um, any other uh, suggestions for best uh, no signing? candidates? I think Barcelona had a terrible window obviously being blocked and they signed Arda Turan and Alexis, Alex Vidal who they just haven't used either player to you know, their capabilities. Yeah. What about... that's, I suppose that's the next category. Sorry, Adam. I mean, I'm thinking out there signings. Well, not out there, but slightly different ones. What about uh, Ben Arthur? You know? Mm. Interesting. A little bit of derision there. In your voice, Mariano uh, at Sevilla. He was quite. He's been quite a decent pickup for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. There's not really many. There's not been really like many signings who've had such a incredible impact that it's sort of almost helped their club reach le- and the next level. Apart from Kante, really. Mm, I think Angulo deserves it. Um, the tackle machine. Martial was a great signing. Virgil Van Dijk, but I mean Kante. It's got to be Kante. It's got to be. Christian Naboa, FC Rostov. Oh, you, you bloody love FC Rostov. Um, what about flop of the season? 
No, it feels a bit harsh this one, but I'm thinking Mourinho flopped <clears throat> at Chelsea. Uh, Memphis Depay, arguably not of his own doing, but harsh, very harsh. That, Adam, big bully. Eden Hazard, who bizarrely just started Ooh, started playing for what, two games to go. Moved clubs or whatever. No, oh no, just, no, no, just pure flop, full stop. Gabriel Agbon Lahore. I mean, Steve McLaren, Ooh. you can still put in there. Um, that's not, so I was going to say Jackson Martinez or Florian Tovan. Now, Tovan is hard to disagree with. Explain to him. <laughs> yeah, didn't even finish the season at his own club, uh, at his new club, even. Yeah, Chris. They sent him back. Explain to us what yeah, happened. He's, because... he's on loan at Marseille. <laughs> he joined them on loan uh, in January. Actually, scored a few goals, to be fair. Um, and now they're, they're talking about how to potentially extend it because Marseille can't afford to, to keep him. Um, so they're, they're trying to work a way around it. That is very funny. It's got to be him then. For that story, my, my money's in his bag. I've heard suggestions of Raheem Sterling. People are no, not was... liking Raheem Sterling's debut season, um, considering the amount of money he went for. But if that feels a bit harsh, does it not? Jackson Martinez works as well, I think, personally. Yeah, Jackson Martinez. Martinez, yeah. He only lasted until what? When did he move to China? When did he pack his bags and head off? Was it not was January? It January? Bloody hell. I think Teixeira Tish- needs to be in there as well because his, um, his, his Chinese Super League team got knocked out of the Asian Champions League recently. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> what Bastian Schweinsteiger there? Is that Excuse because me? he refused to join? No, no, no. no. Adam, this bullying has got to stop. Sorry. Bastian Schweinsteiger Sorry. is an inspiration to Manchester United Football Club Sorry. and his buddy, his buddy, brother, I mean, Tobias. They did a great sign in the pair of them. God. They've done very well on social media when they've been out injured, anyway. That's the important thing. He's definitely um, been on the beers, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> finally, finally, <laughs> it's the moment of the season. What was your favourite moment? Of the entire season. Now, for me, it was <laughs> when it <good>. ended. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't when it ended. The five-one against the uh, Newcastle. <laughs> no, my favourite <laughs> moment was uh, for the football public heading up to Leicester to cover Leicester versus Manchester United. That they were they were expected to win the title. We went up there to film it and sort of capture the party atmosphere. And of course, they drew on the day, and they, the next day, Spurs were playing Chelsea, and every single Leicester fan was adamant Spurs were going to. Spurs it up essentially and they were going to win the league it was going to be confirmed on that Monday night so the whole of Leicester was going crazy there's parties in the streets all this sort of stuff and for me even though it probably should have sunk in before that was the moment it hit me that Leicester are going to win I, I knew then that Leicester were going to win the league doesn't matter what Spurs did even if they'd beaten Chelsea Leicester were going to win the league and that was the moment when I realised oh bloody hell Wes Morgan is going to lift the Premier League. <laughs> and I just thought it was a great moment to see everyone out there. Everyone was having a great time in Leicester. Um, you know, it was a pretty, it was a carnival atmosphere, I'd say. And I thought that was the, the, the my favourite moment of the season, essentially, to see everyone, the, the whole city sort of embrace it and get involved in the, in in what was essentially a, a beautiful story of this this sporting achievement against all the odds. So that was my moment of the season. Uh, even as a Spurs fan, you, you cannot begrudge Leicester's success. What about you, Dave? Um, I really liked when Harry Kane Instagrammed that picture of lions <laughs> hunting in a pack. <laughs> and then Jamie Vardy responded after Leicester won the league of, um, you know, was it Simba from The Lion King <laughs> falling M- off Mufasa the cliff? Mufasa dying. Spoilers for The Lion mate. King, a, a 25-year-old movie. Um, Clearly resonated with some more than others. <laughs> yeah. Quite a mate. Mufasa. It's obviously Mufasa. Simba's the little, the cub, you know. But I suppose, you know, to be fair, Adam, you are well good at films, aren't you, pal? Let's be honest. To be fair, Dave was off around the estate smoking and riding a horse. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Manchester's like, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, yeah. apparently, riots, mate. Always riots every week. Are you telling me your favourite moment of the season was an Instagram post by Harry? No. Good. It was when 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 Lou Van Gaal sat behind the FA Cup and just didn't even celebrate having it in front of all the press, just like, and what, Uh, lads? You mocked me all season and I've got this big trophy, lads. No, that's. It's been a pretty shitty United season, I'm going to be honest with you, lads. Um, I think at the moment falling over, Germany fell over. I, th- I, I do think no, Simeone winning the winning the Champions League would be brilliant. I really do. I think that would be a great achievement for him. That would be. That would. Top and that would be a, a good moment. That would, I think that would. No, I don't know if it would top Leicester, but it's a very very good achievement. You know, how long he's been there as well. Credit to him. He's built this side from the ground up. So that would be a great moment. That hasn't actually happened yet, though, Dave. So what's your favourite moment? 
for that that one moment that just filled you with joy, with you know, emotion, passion, other <laughs> other things. There's the thesaurus. Um, Chris, have you got one more? Dave thinks your favourite moment. I did quite like Zlatan's last game with PSG. I thought that was. Oh. I appreciate that to some people it looks beyond narcissistic. Um, <laughs> did he have his kids come on and one of them had yeah. King on the back and one of them had Legend on the back of their shirts? Did that actually happen or was that a dream? Yeah, man? and it, it, the thing was he left the field before <laughs> the game finished. So they didn't spin anybody on. He just like got up and left. <laughs> Because he and just I, does what he wants. He's just like, oh, fuck this, I'm done. I'm done, lads. I do totally see why people think, oh, what a narcissistic arse he is. Um, I also think Klopp leaving Dortmund, that was very emotional. Um, totally off the, the beaten path. There was, uh, Ronaldo was in, I believe, Japan, Asia. So he was in Asia, let's put it that way. And a young kid asked him some questions in Portuguese. And if you've tried to, to ever like switch language it's very difficult and everyone was kind of laughing at the kid's Portuguese pronunciation and Ronaldo kind of stepped in and went don't laugh he's making an effort he's doing a really good job I understand everything he's saying and I thought that was a really nice kind of humanising moment where you just kind of saw Ronaldo as this this just very nice person because there is a lot oh. of bad things written about him and I, and I do quite like Ronaldo I think he's a nice guy he's a human being after all he's not a robot um, Dave any, any shouts for moment of the season Again, the only moments that I've really, really enjoyed have been in the FA Cup run. The um, after the West Ham game, if you were going to watch the full time Devils fan cam of me after that game, bloody hell! Now, I didn't, I wasn't even drunk. I had like, I had, I had like two cans, and I watched the game. But because football sometimes gives you that level of, uh, you know, excitement about your own team and that level of joy and love just go and watch that fan cam it's funny it's my that, that i think that fan cam actually is the moment of this the comments on it are absolutely incredible people on youtube are very very witty congratulations congratulations if, if we're picking a personal moment yeah it doesn't have um, to be a game it could be anything i went to, to yankee stadium last month to, to see nycfc play and then was fortunate enough to get to speak to David Vera afterwards and, and Pelo and stuff. And that was, for oh. me personally, there you go. that was um, th- that was undeniably one of those moments where you think, wow, it's been a journey. It's, it's one of those moments <laughs> where you stop and you actually look back and think, I've been doing this six years now. I remember when I couldn't get anyone to even pay me to do this. And now I'm stood in front of these two asking them questions. Chatting to bloody David Vieri. How was his English? Very good. You can tell he's still learning. Um, he used the word present when I think he meant gift. Um, he said that they have to stop giving the opposition presents. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. But other than that, in fairness, the guy tries and, and you've got to do everything you can to admire that because it, it is, it's not easy. As someone that's trying yeah, to learn Spanish yeah. for a minute. It's it's very difficult to try to try and go back from the the other one. I fully admire anyone who can speak another language, even close to fluently. I think it's incredible. Um, muy bueno, let's just say in uh, Spanish. You see, you know, I've got a few phrases. Guys, let's finish up on a few questions then that you've been sending in on Twitter to wrap up this week's podcast. First up, at Richard B LFC says thoughts on LFC signing Carius. Now, it's been all over Twitter today, David. It's been confirmed by the club, potentially expected, really, to be their new number one. £4.7 million signing from Mainz. What do you reckon, Dave? Yeah, he's a, he's a player that's been knocking around the Bundesliga this there for a number of seasons. And the incredible thing about him, that when I sort of like this, sort of noticed him, is the, the amount of um, games that he's played at the age of the years. So he's 22 years old and he's already played 91 games for Mainz. So that's like on par with, you know, that, you know, the Jack Butland stat that was floating around that he's had the most appearances in the Premier League since um, Gordon Banks by, by that age. There was some stat like that. But, you know, very talented keeper. Mainz defensively been excellent this season. They've had the best Bundesliga finish ever. Uh, interesting enough, mate, uh, Carlos was at Manchester City, I think, for a bit before he came back over to Germany. Um, so, you know, pretty decent at English, uh, but it's going to be a really, for a goalkeeper of that age, we saw with David De Gea when he came over, took him a number of years to get adjusted to 
how physical the Premier League was. I remember a game on um, New Year's Eve that was an early kickoff, and David De Gea got bullied by Phil Jones and Grant Handley at corners. That's something that he's going to have to adapt to pretty quickly, but he's a decent shot stopper. Um, but he will just have to evolve. He'll have to hit the ground running with the Premier League, but he's got talent. And the, the really interesting thing about that as well is that goalkeepers don't have many appearances at, at that age. If you go around like European top five leagues or all the leagues, for example, we have on Squawk, we've got 13 different leagues. It's really difficult to find a goalkeeper that plays a lot under the age of 21. He was one that just came out for me. They're like, well, we, he was there a few seasons ago. It's like, you know, he will be talented. And I think he will be a good signing, obviously, Mignolet looks like he's pretty shot of confidence and everything at the moment. Uh, Henrik says, surprisingly few, almost none, mind games between managers this season. Will they be back in full force next season, you reckon? Henrik, mm. of course, Mourinho is back. He's going to be messing with Guardiola. He's going to be messing with Klopp. He's going to be messing with all of them. It's going to be fascinating to see. Uh, next question, Mortada Nazir said, should Wenger take the risk of buying Morata, even though he hasn't been good this season? And is he a good fit for Arsenal? Mortada, go and check out the Rumorator on TFR. Me and Chris spoke about this exact topic earlier today. Uh, you'll find all your answers there. Next question from at Eddie MUFC. Why is Dave so squawky? <laughs> I mean, he's got a point. Because I work for Squawker, duh. Oh, yeah, good shout. Uh, AKA Juice26, the main man, says prediction for Copper America. Chris. Who is going to win the Copa America? Early prediction. Uruguay. Cool, mm. really? Without Luis Suarez. They've got a cracking record in the tournament. That's the thing. They just seem to always find the... And the thing is as well, I mean, you can say without Suarez, Messi's not with Argentina. There's a there's a fair few notable absences in this. Um, if I'm looking away from who's going to win it, I would keep an eye on Panama and Costa Rica as well. They, they're two kind of nations that are really starting to emerge. Obviously, Costa Rica did a, a good turn at the, the World Cup. Um, in 2014 and kind of shocked a few people. I think you look at them in Panama, there could be some surprises there with those two. Ben says, Ben Moore 08 says, who will Mourinho sell? Uh, <coughs> Juan Mata. Uh, Juan Mata's <coughs> gone date. He's <coughs> Daily Blind. Do you reckon he'll sell Daily Blind as well? No, I like Daily Blind. He's a good, he seems like a, a player that learns a lot, but I just don't think he's... It just doesn't fit in a Mourinho team. But then, if we, seems, like we mentioned before, Mourinho might need to evolve and Daley Bin might be the perfect man for him. He seems a bit upset about Louis Van Gaal leaving as well, doesn't he? Maybe he wants to, you know, he's become disillusioned. Well, if he goes to the Portuguese. Daley would be ideal for the midfield three. Mm. Ooh, tasty. Uh, next question is from ba 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 Arteta Assist, the main man. Who should Arsenal's next captain be? It's all over Twitter today. It's going to be Laurent Koscielny. Hard to disagree with that one, Dave. Yeah, I think so. Decent captain. Um, I don't think there's, and again, uh, Arsenal do lack a, a real leader, so if Koscielny can step up and be that man, why not? German Chicas said, are Arsenal finally going to spend the cash and win the league next season? Granite Xhaka looks like a good signing to me. Uh, we spoke about this on the room right as well, myself and Chris, but what do you reckon, Chris? I mean, it's tempting to think they may spend the cash. Like I said on, on today's video, it may well be Wenger's last season. But can't really see it happening. I mean, it's not like Wenger's going to change his ways all of a sudden, really. I think you've answered it perfectly there. Boom. Um, hashtag free Sacco says, hold the door, question mark. Oh, Game of Thrones reference. You guys up to date with that? Yeah, it was, it was say, emotional last night. Yeah, no spoilers. Very emotional. No spoilers. That's not... Tell you what, Frodo doesn't get that bloody ring there soon. They're all know, in trouble. Right? Unbelievable. <laughs> then the White Walkers will be all over. Uh, I final... did see that. Christ, they're scary, aren't they? <laughs> did you actually watch it? I did. I saw that bit. They were. I was walking past the telly. And, um, have you seen it yet or not? <laughs> yes, but do not. Don't spoil any uh, particular uh, events. <sighs> right. Okay. But there's just a bit where that army does something. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Okay, can we warn the listeners now? If you haven't watched it, I'm about to potentially spoil it. Yeah, spoilers for Game of Thrones this week's episode. One, the bit where they're knifing the wolf to death. I was like, Jesus, that's graphic. It was. That was cool. It's pretty intense. I hate seeing dogs and stuff like that die. It's horrible. Pretty intense show. Um, It it took a while to calm my girlfriend down after last week's episode. Oh, Oh, hello. Because she was crying. Because she was crying. Yeah. She was upset. What do, you, what do you think I'm talking about? <laughs> She's talking about a wolf getting stabbed to death. 
don't know why you watch that with her. That that's disgusting, mate. Oh, dear. It's all knife fights and naked ladies. Why would you want to watch that with your girlfriend? That seems like a terrible idea. Um, final question this week is... Duh, 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 duh. Ooh. Charles Antionades, a.k.a. Mum Boltwood. One player from your clubs that you wish did better because of injuries, etc. I'm an Arsenal fan, and it would be Riziki. You know, the classic Spurs one is Ledley King. Oh, I actually met Ledley King today. Oh, yeah, Lovely no, guy. Because he's the bloody squawker correspondent, isn't he? He's a squawker lad, isn't he? I asked him about um, how... Basically, it's, someone spoke to him before, Greg Sobart, one of our reporters spoke to him before and asked him who was the toughest opponent gave Thierry Henry and then afterwards I was like so why why was you no know, why was Thierry Henry such a, a difficult opponent and he was talking about how you can deal with as a center as a center half it's easy to deal with a striker that comes at you that sits on you but the difficulty with Henry was his ability to drift the ability to drift to the left the ability to drift at right and then his ability to take shots from far out and really run at you and get ahead of steam. He, he sort of mentioned that it was difficult to stop Henri when he got going. But anyway, sorry, it's a very think, side note on the last question. No, but I think Henri has said uh, a similar thing of... Ed he Ligin, has. You know, uh, sort of saying he's, he's the only... He's the only <laughs> player not him to stop me when I got going. <laughs> yeah. No, he said he's the only player who would take the ball off you without even noticing, I think is what he said. Um, and I feel like, you know, if he, if he's, he hadn't had his, his well-documented injury problems, he could have been... Uh, had a longer playing career, maybe even... Uh, been a bit of an England stalwart, but um, yeah. What about you, Chris? What do you, who do you reckons the one, the one play you wish maybe things have been different could have been even better for Newcastle? Jonathan Woodgate jumps out. Oof, he was someone true. that could have played a few more games. Very similar more to to Ledley King in that sense was was a brilliant defender. A um, little bit more recent, Sylvain Marvo. I thought had a bit more potential than than could have sure. I think it was a wrong time for him in general just with the coach and stuff and then little niggling injuries never really let him build up much consistency Dave? Um, it's got to be Owen Hargreaves fantastic oh, player oh yes good mm, so 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 functional so so good at being adaptable and playing any position that needs to play and being very effective good question there from Charles Antionardis thank you very much for your question if you want to send in your questions for the front three do it on Twitter at the front three with the number not the word. For now, though, that wraps up Wednesday's podcast. We're going to be back on Sunday with our Champions League reaction. Until then, though, Dave, where can the good people find more of your face and work? Uh, we'll jump on to Dave Talks this week on YouTube. Yes. That is Dave Talks. Check it out. I've just dropped a video with a few little cheeky graphics in it. Not really graphics, oh just a few God. words. I'm stuck on Photoshop, but eventually this is going to go well. I've just bought a new laptop, so the production side is going to be flying. Fuck, this is next level shit, Dave. This is next Next level, level mate. Uh, Chris, where can the good people find you uh, if they want to see more of your words and your work on Twitter, etc.? Well, I'm on Twitter at K-H-E-N-E-A-G-E. My name is also on a Facebook page now that I've got. And now seems as good a time as any to say that I'm looking into actually launching a YouTube channel myself. Whoa, there was a question today on, on TFR saying, where's Chris's channel? So I think it's a good time. Yeah, the it's, is there. it's something I'm going to look into. Hopefully do some stuff with, with the guys like yourself and then a few other colleagues and stuff and just see what we can do. Chris, you've been a fantastic and more than adequate replacement for Lawrence. Thank you very much for coming on TF3. I'm sure we're going to have you back on very soon. Guys, thank you very much for listening. As I said, we're going to be back on Sunday. Until then, have a bloody fantastic week and enjoy the Champions League final.